This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no wait, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am AJ Hayfley alongside Nathan Rudolph. As teased yesterday, we are going to talk about the Avalanche defense today. Uh, following the Tyson Berry Nazem Kadri trade, it's very different. Yeah. The more I look at this, it's very different. And, you know, it's not as simple as just take a guy out of the lineup because there are injuries already. I haven't even started. It's June. I guess now it's July. And now there are in. We've already got injuries to talk about. So let's just uh, let's dive right in, Rudo, as we um, we look at this defense right off the top. 156 points produced last year by Colorado's defense, 59 of them by Tyson Berry. They're going to miss that. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to miss what Tyson Berry brought, particularly this year with a lot of moving pieces and, and figuring out where guys slot in going forward. It's interesting. On June 1st, the Avs defense seemed very set. Just plug and place everything. Yeah. And then we find out Cole's going to be hurt till around December. We find out EJ may or may not be ready for the start of the season. Barry's gone. And then you draft Bowen Byram. So now all of a sudden you, you're you sitting in a position where there are multiple D-spots open. And there are five guys that are trying to earn them. Yeah, it is a bloodbath waiting to happen in training camp, man. Yep. It's going to be war. Yeah, it's it will be very interesting to see how that shakes out. There are some guys I think have inside lines on some of those spots, but any of the five, those five being Rosen, Connaughton, Byram, Barbario, and Graves could earn a spot. Well, let's get into the what we expect. I am going to assume Eric Johnson is healthy for the start of the season because even if he's not, because they they said that he could be available for the start of training camp. 
Yeah, so it's pretty there's safe still assumption. There's still three weeks between training camp and the start of the season. Uh, even then, I don't know that, like, it's pretty, Byram could get nine games, and by that point, EJ will very likely be ready to go. Yeah. Uh, if he's not before. So I'm not too worried about the EJ thing. So we'll just consider EJ there, just for the sake of posterity, because we're, to, we're not. I'm, I'm not going to get into like the minutia of like, oh, right. what do you do in like the five if there, he misses the first five games or whatever. That is a that is a short term, very short term problem. Not a big deal, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll consider EJ there to start the season on the right side. We'll consider Kale McCarr there on the right side, and on the left side, you've got Sam Gerrard and Nikita Zadorov. Yeah, it's the top pairing is a bit interesting because it's shaping up to be, especially if EJ is at 100%, that Sam Gerrard is going to be your number one D until Makar is ready to do it. Yeah, it's... It's... How they shake out the minutes between those guys is going to be... Really interesting. Yeah. You expect EJ resumes with Barry gone. You expect EJ kind of resumes the number one job. But you also know, I mean, this was a team that had no fear of giving Kale McCarr major minutes in the postseason. I have no reservations that they're going to give him 20 minutes a night. No, I agree. I think that's fine. The... The area where you get into the Gerard being the number one conversation is I think they're going to have to burn him at both ends. He'll play that second power play unit, but he's also going to have mm-hmm. to PK. You think so? With you're not going to trust so. these other guys with it? I mean, I guess you could throw Makar on it, and I think you're going to have to trust one of these other guys, but you're, you need four. You, EJ will do it for sure. Zadorov will almost certainly do it. Then what? Are you going to throw Makar out there? Are you going to throw Byram out there? That's, I think that's asking a lot, and I think that's a, where they're going to lean on Gerard a little bit more. And then I do think part of that is is two of the guys that are going to be competing for spots do have significant PK experience, so that will help them as well. Yeah the the Byram thing is just like the ultimate X factor here. Yeah, exactly. Because we don't have any expectations for him. Like, it's easy to fast forward one year and say he's on this team. Yeah, very, very easy to put him on the team next year. This year, the way things have shaken out, why not give him his nine games at least? But For sure. After that nine games, it's going to be a decision. Because those nine games, I mean, you are you go with a Gerard Zadorov byram left side. Uh, and then, you know, okay, well, now we have a choice to make. Yeah. But you still have, on that left side, all of all of the extra guys. Barbario, uh, Connaughton, Rosen, and Graves. Yep. They're all lefties. So, that's interesting. Uh, we do know Barbario has moved over to the right side. He played a, he's played a lot of right side in his career. That's not an issue for him at all. Where those other guys move and, and, and how flexible they are and their ability to, to maybe slide over to the right could be interesting as well. The other X factor here is Connor Timmons is right-handed. He sure now, is. 
I think that that would be awfully aggressive for a guy that just missed an entire season and could really use some AHL time. Yeah, I... It might be reasonable in, like, February or something if he's having a good year, but I just don't Mm -hmm. see how you can start him on the Avs roster this season. It would be too aggressive for me, to the point of maybe even being reckless. Yeah, I I agree with you. You've You've got enough guys, enough bodies here that deserve looks. I mean, Callie Rosen coming over from Toronto is a guy that absolutely is worthy of a look. You know, he does not have to pass waivers, so maybe that just automatically makes him easier for them to cut and send down to the Eagles, who could certainly use his puck-moving ability. But you have got to be intrigued by him. He's 25 years old. He's older than all these other guys. He's older than Graves. He's older than Zadorov. Uh, he's older than all these dudes except for, like, the the, the veterans that we know of. You know, Johnson, yeah. Cole, Barbarian, Connaughton. Right, and honestly, I don't see Rosen as having much more to to give you at the AHL level here. He's played pro a long time, play, played in Sweden long before mm-hmm. he came over, and he put up 46 points in 54 games last year in the AHL. And granted that it was on a very, very good Toronto Marlies team, he benefited from getting some easy assists at times. But sure. From what I've seen of him myself, I I think he's he's ready for a real crack at the NHL. Oh, and then you have Kevin Connaughton with, what, 300 NHL yeah. games played? He's, he's the most experienced guy they've brought in. So if they're looking for NHL experience, he'd be the guy. You know, Mark Barbario is a guy that has 250 NHL games of his own and is a guy that has had success in Colorado. Yeah, that's the Connaughton versus Barbario conversation is is very interesting because they both kind of fill that same role as a more experienced type of player that you can drop into your lineup there. As you said, Barbario can play the right. I haven't seen enough of Connaughton to know if he can play the right well or not, but Mm -hmm. I do know that Connaughton PKs quite a bit. He was the fourth defenseman PKing for the Coyotes last year in the game he got in. And like I said, I think that will be a big factor. I do think, uh, honestly, that Barbario's experience slotting in on that right side, right off the bat, should give him, if assuming fully healthy, should give him just the slightest of advantages from day one. You know, what, what he does with them can be determined, but it would not surprise me at all if we got into opening night and because of the Cole injury, you're talking about a third pairing that has Mark Barbario on the right side. Yeah. If I had to bet today, I would not have Barbario in the lineup. I Honestly, I might even have him on the Eagles for opening night. But, I mean, pick your poison here. There are, there are five guys and any of them could be on that opening night lineup. So Graves is certainly an interesting guy to me because... <clears throat> he wasn't part of this conversation a year ago. Yeah. He was like the fourth guy they tried calling up. Because, uh, you know, they tried all, they tried Lindholm. Um, and yeah. I swear to God, there was another one. And then Ryan Graves came up and Ryan Graves played well. Yeah, he did. Uh, he played quite well, in fact, and got. He worked his way into 26 games, uh, scored five points in those 26 games, 
never really looked out of place. Did not look like a guy that was a career AHLer. Looked like a guy that understood his limitations, but also played with no fear of the moment. Played his played played an aggressive game when the moment called for it. Played a conservative game when the moment called for it. A guy that really his hockey IQ outweighed his actual physical abilities uh, quite a bit for for me when I watched it. But a guy that did not look at, at all out of place, not sure. even a little bit. He yeah, I think the structure of the NHL helped him a lot, and and he certainly looked good within the Av structure. I like his offensive capabilities. His play defensively was fine. I think he benefited quite a bit from a very good PDO. But sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. So if he can remain lucky, then I, I think that's certainly an option for the Avs. He's not a guy that PKs. And especially if Byram is taking up one of the spots, you're going to want that other guy to be a PK or as long as Cole is out. Yeah. So maybe he starts as a seventh D type and, and things change a little bit once Cole gets back in the lineup and they have a little bit more versatility to play a more offensive guy like that. But he's another one that that's not at the top of my list to, to lock down a spot. It's going to be... It's it's going to be really telling who they ultimately decide on out of this group. Yeah. Because there are a lot of bodies and the Cole injury does open up a, a meaningful job, you know, like with EJ maybe a couple games, whatever. But with Cole, you've got 2 months to to make a statement. Yeah, it's a- 2 months to to play at a level that says you guys can't get rid of me. A legitimate NHL opportunity for sure. And, you know, with, with Rosen, he hasn't gotten one of those. With Connaughton and Barbario, we know who those guys are. They're both 29 years old. Uh, they're they're right in the same salary range as that, like, bottom-of-the-barrel NHL defenseman that you keep around for a specific reason. Uh, in case an Ian Cole goes out for two months, you know, it's it's fine. Those guys, those guys can buoy your defense without being absolutely awful. Uh, and then having a couple of them, hey, maybe Barbario is awful, or maybe Connaughton is awful, and the other one can step in and hopefully be an improvement there. Yeah, it that's not out of the question at all. We could very possibly see all of these guys get games this year, depending on I, how things shake out. That, I think, is certainly possible. Um, you know, Barbario... I do think that there's going to be some goodwill there just because if he's healthy, he's given he's given these guys good minutes before. Kevin Connaughton is a, is a new guy. Callie Rosen is a new guy. Ryan Graves should definitely get a look. Yeah. I think he earned that with his play last year. But it's all temporary because when Ian Cole comes back, you know, unless these guys play lights out, It'll be really interesting to see how they handle that glut when Cole does come back from injury. Yeah, it's once Cole comes back, you're basically looking at one defensive spot, and that was Barry's spot. You're not asking whoever steps into that role to be Tyson Barry, but mm-hmm. if you're looking for someone in that mold, maybe a Rosen or maybe a Barbario is a better fit. I Yeah, those are the guys that... 
I would say Barbario and Rosen should be given the longest looks at for just for for the the puck moving and the skating. Right. Uh, all these guys are going to have different flaws that'll be a moving target, but it should be you've you've got an identity. Right. You've got you've got you've built your defense around okay, these are this is who we want to be, you know, you want to stick to that. You don't want to because if they if they roll out on opening night with a Kanat and Graves third pairing, yeah, that's a little. That feels like a lot of downside. At at that point, you're asking yourself, why didn't we just keep Nemeth? Yeah, yeah. Ugh. It's it's easy to put. Well, we'll we'll do this next segment. We'll 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 let's dig deeper into the Bowen Byram in the next segment. Yeah. Because that is a really, really interesting conversation that is gonna play a huge role in how things go. So we will do that on the other side. This is this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome in second segment here. I guess I'm not really welcome in. Welcome back for the second segment here. The BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Bowen Byram drafted fourth overall, which... I honestly, I was thinking about it this morning. I, I woke up and I was thinking about all the content that I wanted to get out today and the things that I want to start working on. And I kind of just stopped and was like, I still can't believe they took Byram. <laughs> yeah, still feels good. It's amazing. It was the, it was just the right decision. No argument there. I think it was I'll, the correct pick. Although I am absolutely afraid of Alex Turcotte. <laughs> he seemed he seemed so miffed by the idea that that both Chicago and Colorado passed on him. He did not seem pleased by that at all. Instead of, you know, a lot of these kids are just like, I'm just so happy that I went, you know, I went somewhere yeah. and and that a team believed in me and blah 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 and oh, I'm just I'm so excited. Turcotte seemed less excited to be with the Kings and more pissed he wasn't with the abs or blackhawks gonna go out and slay people now well and and i'm i'm a little afraid of him (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, at least he didn't land in the central. But Bowen Byram did, in fact, land in the central, and I am looking forward to that dude stopping Kirby Doc and Alex Turcott in their tracks for years to come. How soon that uh, that NHL experience starts, though, is a legitimate question that's up in the air. Yeah. He has not currently signed his ELC, and even if he does jump in for his rookie year, you got to be careful. You got to temper the expectations. For sure. It, You know, before the information on Cole came out, I was saying... I don't think there's any way he plays in the NHL this year for the Avs. There's a chance he gets his nine games and then Cole got hurt. And then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you can give him nine games. And then Barry got traded and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. he's definitely getting nine. Can he be here the whole year? And the answer that was originally no for me is now a definite maybe. <laughs> I still don't, I still don't think it's the right call. I, I, I don't think that, I, I think giving him giving him nine games, I think, is the no brainer. And you know what? If he if he's awesome in those nine games, you just keep him. Right. He like at that point, like you're you just keep him and you live with it. But for but I would prefer a more conservative nature on this one. Uh, the extra year in the dub, it's not going to hurt him. Give him a year, and then at, at the same time, though, you the Avs also would have the opportunity with no Byram to sort out some of this mess here. Right. You know, uh, we know what Mark Barbario and Kevin Connaughton are, are who they are, what their value is. Uh, if the Avs carry 8D, it's totally fine to keep both of them around. Yep. Uh, it's not a big deal, but they they owe it to themselves. You don't go out and take Callie Rosen in a trade if you're not at least interested in what he's got to, to bring to the table. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. If, if you put Callie Rosen in that trade and you don't give him any NHL games this year, then that hurts the value of that trade significantly. What was the point? Right, exactly. Why bother? There are, there are plenty of non-prospects that you could have picked from that Marley's team. Why why go with that guy? I it, that that would make no sense to me. They owe it to themselves to they owe it to themselves to uh see what he has. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I think as we've already stated, Graves deserves opportunity as well and there's no need to rush Byram with all of these options in their roster already, unless Byram just smashes out of the park and proves that the abs have to have him. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want, I want a more conservative approach to Byram, uh, but we know that the abs are going to have something special with Gerard. Byram and Makar, and we are pretty comf- comfortable, uh, comfortable, confident. What's the, there's got to be an amalgam there. Um, <laughs> where Byram and Makar is their top pairing in like two years. Yeah, it's gonna be silly. And and Sam Gerard is making do, I guess, with the scrubs that are maybe Connor Timmins, Eric Johnson, and Nick Malosh at some point. Like those. We'll just see. Scrubs. What bombs. Just, just <laughs> terrible what they're doing to Sam Gerard. <laughs> but 
for right now, you know, with Byram. So I looked this up. I was curious. What kind of expectations should we have for Byram? Now, he's coming off of a pretty unprecedented WHL season. Yeah. So it's, you know, you're, you've got to realistically look at these. Rasmus Dahlin, the only guy uh, that had a 40-point season in his rookie year after being drafted immediately. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, there have been 10 40-point seasons from rookie defensemen in the last 10 years. Just 10. So that, for one, should temper Kale McCarr expectations a little bit. It's rare. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's one, one per year. Pretty rare your uh, your first year you're running the top power play unit too though, <laughs> right? And we'll we'll get into that. But I could only find five guys in the last ten years, just five, who even had twenty point seasons as in their as defensemen in their rookie years in the seasons uh, immediately prior or immediately following being being drafted. Yeah, let's see some good names on there. Yeah. Ekblad. You know, guys, Ekblad, Darlene, Victor, Hannafin, Victor Hedman, like yeah. some good, some good players. Yeah. But we've seen, you know, of those, Hedman went to a different level. Yeah. One of them is a, a Norris candidate. <laughs> and, you know, like Ekblad is like solid. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, hell, if, if the Avs got Ekblad out of Bowen Pyram. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And, That's fine. Like right. you're not throwing a fit about that. You'd like a little bit more offense, but that's fine. Yes. The point the point is is that five of those guys, just 20 point seasons. Yep. Or or better, obviously, because Darlene had 40, but just a 20 point season. There's only been five of them in the last 10 years. So it's rare for defensemen to break into the NHL right away, uh, because it's it's very difficult. But it's really rare for those guys to be productive. It's just not a very common thing. And then in, in those situations, those teams had jobs for those guys. Right. For the Avalanche, Byram isn't going to get power play one time. That's going to kill McCarr. And power play two time, you expect to go to Sam Gerard. Now, you could also you could run Gerard and Byram on PP2, but... We've also seen all the statistical analysis on power plays that have two defensemen are significantly less productive than ones that have one defenseman and four forwards. Look at Nashville. (laughs) An absolutely awful power play. They run everything through their stud defensemen. For sure. It's... It could be an interesting option to to maybe... Probably not in his nine games, but if he does earn the spot, you could be looking at Byram running power play too, and them transitioning Gerard into more PK minutes. Like I said, they might have to burn mm-hmm. Gerard at both ends. So that could be a way to alleviate that. But yeah, I, I mean, if let's say they do that, let's, let's talk about that. What's, sure. what's, what are your expectations then production wise from both Sam Gerard and Bowen Byram? If Byram gets the nine game trial, stays and gets the a full burn as the quarterback of PP2. If he's running on PP2, you want at least 30 points out of him, I think. If he isn't projecting to do that for you, then why did you keep him, I think? If if he's slotting to be a 20-point type player, you can maybe consider keeping him around, but I wouldn't put him onto power play too. 
So say nine games goes by. Yeah. He has zero points. I mean, a nine game test is a lot more than the, the stat sheet, but if he has no points, even in a small sample size like nine games, I think it would be tough to, to keep him. Well, that's my next question. How well does he have to play to keep him if he is pointless after nine games? Yeah, that, I mean, you he's don't know. He's got real good, right? Right. If he's just generating chances like a monster and they just aren't going in, that's one thing. But the biggest. And that, the, the, the cruel part of hockey is that is not a remotely difficult scenario yeah, to envision happening. It could definitely happen. Um, I think there's certainly going to be an adjustment period on the defensive side. There always is for young kids jumping up into the NHL. It's just so, so much faster and everyone is so much more polished that I wouldn't expect a ton out of him early defensively. So he has to be able to provide that offensive punch in that case. I think he has to. I, I don't think they can wait on the offense if they want to keep him this year. Right. That's a big part of his appeal. That's the part of his game that I got him drafted fourth. Like, if he doesn't score 26 goals, if he doesn't lead the WHL playoffs in scoring, does he go fourth overall? Probably not. I, the incredible offensive output is what got him into that conversation. He was... There were times this year where he was ranked closer to 10, but then he just went off and we see that he clearly has the offensive skill, Mm -hmm. but is he going to need another year to really get that up to NHL speed? Maybe. And I think giving him the nine games and then that's a no brainer. That is, that should happen. That in, in my opinion, the nine games basically no matter what should happen. I would understand if they chose not to, if they just, if, if he goes into preseason and it just, it's just not there and he's, he's totally out of sorts and does and looks awful or what, you know, whatever. And they just say, Hey, look, we're just going to send him back to the, to the dub. And we're going to, we're going to use those nine games to see what Kelly Rosen has. Right. Okay. It, yeah. It, he'd have to look pretty bad in, in camp to not yeah. give him at least maybe you don't give him the full nine. Maybe you give him like five or whatever, but yeah, kind of the Evan Bouchard treatment that yeah. Edmonton gave him last year where they, they were like, we're going to give you a little look see. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll assess from there. And there were positive signs. There were, there was plenty to like from, from Bouchard, but it was like, it, it not quite yet. Right. You know, cause he got, I believe he got seven games last year. Yeah, and then he, at the end of the season, came into the AHL and bopped the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, he was insane in the playoffs. Yeah. For uh, for the Condors. But, yeah, But I think that's so a really good. good opportunity. You give a player a taste of the NHL, and Byram can take that back to the dub and say, okay, this is what it's like to play at the next level. I, I yeah. can add that to my game and understand the differences there. What, what it's like to play at the highest level. Right. You know, that's... He he can go into the dub and be like, "All right, got it." There's still things I have to work on. I'm I'm the big cheese, but I've got a year to go. 
beyond that, it, it takes away any questions for things if you send him back. He can go to the WJC. He won't be blocked from that. Mm-hmm. Opportunities like that. Vancouver's probably going to be a very good team again in the WHL, so he can probably go on a good playoff run. And, hey, I mean, if if they're not, then... Then he's in the NHL at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's he's the ultimate WHL trade piece, and he's in the NHL. Yeah, it's it's very easy to add things up to give him the test and, and send him back because of a Callie Rosen and a Kevin Connaught and et cetera. And what I do like uh, is that this is, I mean, really, it's a temporary problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> Byron. You know, a year from now he's on the team, and you're not having that. You're not having the conversation. He's on the team, and you're like, all right, conversation over. Right. It's uh, there's no doubt and in my mind. Mark Barbario and Kevin Connaughton are both probably gone. Mm-hmm. And then what makes it interesting is that next year you're strongly having Connor Timmons, Nick Malosh conversations. Yeah, Connor Timmons for sure. We'll see on Malosh. A lot of the moves they made this year, I think he he's kind of buried now. But I wouldn't say buried. I I would just say that they're not. He's not a priority for sure. I I'm not saying that either. Um, okay. just just that the people around the organization I've talked to, they just they just want to see more from him. And and that's they fair. like they like the player, but they want to see they want to see some more consistency. They want to see a little bit more growth in both ends. There are things that they're looking for from him uh, that that they'll say, "Hey, we want to. We see those things, and this is this kid immediately becomes a call up priority for us this year." So uh, I don't. I, I would definitely not say he's got bodies in front of him this year. Right. That is, oof, he's got bodies in front of him. So. It is it is an uphill battle for him this season, but I don't think that he's out of their long term plans. I think that they're just looking at him and they're saying, "Look, this this has gone this has been slow so far, and we think it's getting better, but we want to see a little bit more. We think there's more there. We want to see it before we drop him into the NHL." And that's fine. It's fair fair play to do that. My problem is the Avs decor isn't getting any more open. It, yeah, you have three spots locked in for sure with Byron McCarr and Gerard. You have Timmons, who, if he looks good, is going to be ahead of Malosh on the depth chart no matter what. Yep. You have Johnson locked in mm-hmm. at least until the expansion draft. So you're looking at one spot there and they could look to move Cole next year and things like that. And maybe that gives a little Mm -hmm. bit more opportunity, but the gap is narrowing very quickly for Milosh to find a spot. Well, and I think when we're talking about Zadorov, I think that's the job that Milosh could play. Sure. If, if Zadorov is, is someone that they're looking to, to move out, depending on how his contract situation works out this year, whatever. Yeah. Then, yeah. That is very much so. Uh, well, and, and fill. This year, I mean, you have Zadorov and you say, okay, he's, he's a need for you. Yeah. Um, especially given the Cole injury. 
but then you you know I think there's a world it's a world in which everything goes right for Colorado but I think there's a world in which your right side is some combination of of Johnson McCarr and Timmins and your left side is Gerard Byram and Malosh yeah, and I think that would or be... Or Timmons on the left and Malosh on the right, because we've sure. seen Timmons on the left before. Yeah, you can swap them, and, and I think that would be pretty ideal. Because but... Z's going to get expensive, and Z- and Malosh isn't. And right. you could have Malosh kind of come in and play a similar role to Z. Like, people that aren't familiar with Malosh don't know that this is a dude that lays the wood. Yeah, He's a, he's a nasty physical defenseman. He doesn't. He doesn't go seeking it out like Z. He doesn't have the huge hits all the time, but that's a dude that hurts people. He hits people. He hits them hard, and he hits them frequently. Yeah, and I really like Malosh too. Uh, my concern there is I really like Callie Rosen, and I think he very well could be having that spot next year. <laughs> and look, and hey, if that happens, like oh right, no, sure. it is what it is. I'm I'm not gonna lose sleep if Callie Rosen is the better player and is in the lineup. <laughs> the the point the point of all of this is to build the best team that you can, and for the first time in the let's say since 2009, which was kind of the beginning of the new era of the Avalanche. Sackick retired, everybody kind of moved on, Duchesne was drafted, and so that's kind of the mark that I use as, like, I go back to 2009 for a lot of things. Yeah. Because that was sort of the turning of the page. Yep. This is the first time since then that their defense is deep, young, talented, multifaceted, you know, there was a time when they had Kevin Shattenkirk, Tyson Berry, and Stefan Elliott. Yeah. And you're like, great, but that's why Eric, the Eric Johnson trade happened. Exactly. You need some versatility there. <laughs> well, and that's that's what the, the AV system provides right now. Because Callie Rosen, if you just look at Callie Rosen as the elder statesman there, Callie Rosen, Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, uh, Connor Timmons, Nick Malosh, 25 is the oldest among all those guys. Yeah, that's really young. And, and well, when you take away Callie Rosen, Kale McCarr's 20. Yeah. Sam Gerrard is, is 21. Connor Timmons is 20. Nick Malosh is 21. Yeah, it's it's incredibly young. It's There's a ton of, of skill there, a, a ton of future potential there. And that would be wild to really have a completely new age decor. It's fun to think about. It is. And, and almost and certainly all of those things won't pan out, but sure. Um, but like when, when they have to make choices, cause there's going to be choices on salaries here. Yep. Uh, Gerard is up after next season. I know they already would like to get. That's not a guy they want to bridge. Yeah, for sure. That's someone you lock up. That's a guy that they <laughs> very much would give a seven-year deal to off the hop. Yep. Uh, Kale McCarr is up in two years. They are going to do absolutely everything under <laughs> the sun. You would think so. 
to make sure that they have Kale McCarr locked up for basically his entire life. Yeah. So, they're going to have to make salary choices, and that's the only reason why I'm considering the Zadorov. He's got three RFA years left. He can go to arbitration. They can get a two-year deal for him this summer. It'll be at a price point that they probably won't like. And then after that, after those two years, he'll probably be asking for even more money. And that's where they may just decide they're not interested in continuing to escalate the cost of keeping Nikita Zadorov long-term. And that's when they might turn that defense over to the younger guys. For sure. It, it's just reality. Even if it's not Zadorov, even if it's Malash that ends up not on the team. And at the yeah. end of the day, there's six NHL starting defensive spots on the team and one, right. maybe two scratches that you're not going to be wanting to pay. Well, and they just used another top 50 pick on Drew Hellison. Right. So there's not going to be room for everybody. That's just a fact. And the best players ideally will earn the spots. Ideally. <laughs> Some, I mean, sometimes you get yeah. uh, you get a coach who decides that the best player is the guy who fills a very specific role and drives everybody absolutely freaking crazy uh, because he's playing over a guy that should actually be on the in the optimized lineup, but because he doesn't PK as well or something silly, he doesn't end up in the lineup. So shout out Edmonton and and Russell. Oh my gosh, Chris Chris Russell is also the guy that I like. When people were like, oh, nobody's ever scored goals like this as a defenseman in the WHL. And I'm like, you know Chris Russell holds that record, right? <laughs> like, Chris Russell scored like 32 goals in a WHL season once upon a time as a defenseman. And I don't think anybody want Chris Russell on their defense right now. <laughs> yeah. It, it goes to show that you never know on taking that next step. <laughs> but Yeah, it's... Yeah, uh, boy, if Bo- Bowen Byram turns into Chris Russell, I'm going to be real That'd mad. That'd be real sad, yeah. I'm going to be real upset. Blocking all the shots instead of scoring all the goals, not okay. Yeah, it. you certainly are not expecting that out of Byram. You would hope for a lot more there. <laughs> um, but it, it really will be interesting, not only this year, but over the next couple of years, as to how this decor shakes out. It certainly will be. I was going to slip into a game-changing coffee transition, but it's not time for that yet. (laughs) Too early. Because it is too early. It's a segment too early. So I am instead going to tell you guys about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. You already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they're delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. Plus, they're now offering CBD products. That's right. From drinks to gummies. I And I don't know about you, man, but I'm a big fan of the gummies. You can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering 20% off your purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN20 to save 20% off and have it delivered to your door. That's segment number two. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. Welcome in third and final segment of today's BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Huh. Callie Rosen. Yeah. An interesting add-on 
what uh, what do you think initially of the acquisition? Initially, I'm pretty high on him. I, I think I really like what I've seen of him so far and, and what he's billed as as far as scouting reports are concerned. He's a guy that, that has a lot more experience than it looks like on the surface. I know he only has two years in the AHL, but like we mentioned, he played in the SHL for a while. And over the past year, he's a guy who's really evolved his game into an extremely well-rounded defenseman. He was far and away the number one defenseman for the Marlies this past season, playing like silly minutes. He played significant power play and PK time. He was extremely well-trusted by that coaching staff. So I think that versatility gives him a lot of opportunity to find himself in the lineup. Style-wise, boy, does he ever fit what Colorado has been building for the last few years. Right, that puck-moving style. It's a bit interesting, actually. I I really like his puck-moving ability, particularly in the offensive zone. He's a very, very good passer across the blue line. On breakouts, I wish he would just skate the puck a little bit more. He's very often looking to pass the puck very quickly, and that can get him into a little bit of trouble sometimes. But when it works, it looks real good. I'm curious getting into a training camp and seeing a Gerard and a Makar. Yeah. If that rubs off on him. If he says, I I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. Because if he if he develops that habit of skating it out and getting into the neutral zone and attacking with the puck. Uh, even without Bo and Byram, those those three teams, those three teams, those three those three players, uh, between Gerard McCarr and and Rosen, they're gonna have a lot of puck moving ability on that defense. And it's not like Eric Johnson's some scrub, right? He's a guy that we've watched for years get up and down the ice when he wants to. It's just a lot more infrequent than it used to be. Yeah, it. You know, let's say you you have the turn and burn pair of of Makar and Gerard, and you manage to hold them down and get them off the ice. Well, guess what? Next is Callie Rosen and Ian Cole, and Rosen can move the puck on you. Next is EJ and and whoever Byram or Zadorov or whatever, and that pairing can move the puck on you too. And you're just gonna wear teams out with that. Yeah, unless unless the Avs kind of pin themselves with a with a Cole's a door off pairing. Yeah, that would be the one that you're like, mm, the movement might right. not be so great. Or, or, or even like, because even like a Barbario, that's a guy who skates pucks out. That's yeah, right. That's like one of the things that he has done well in his career. That and one of the reasons why the analytics guys have always loved him is because he is a zone exit monster. Right. Because he carries pucks out of the zone. You know, what happens after that is always a an adventure with barbs. But he can do that. And so you're talking they, this goes deep. And we saw Ryan Graves do it. Yeah, for sure. It not his hallmark, but when when the moment presented himself that he did not have any fear of doing it, I mean that's that is a decor that that largely would be able to get up and, and down the ice with anybody in, in the league. I don't know that there would be a more mobile uh, defensive lineup 
with with Cole injured and Rosen in his place. Right. You're you're looking at five of your six D being adept at at moving the puck up the ice effectively through either skating or passing. And it's it'll be a nice change from the the games the Avs have had in the past where Nemeth ices it, then Zadorov ices it, then Nemeth ices it again, and then Cole steps on and, and flubs a pass and it's that's gonna be a rare sight with whatever this defense ends up as. Well, and and then there's the world where you've got Gerard, McCarr, Johnson, uh, Rosen, Zadorov, and but Byron uh, or Kanat. yeah, thank you, and Byron and and Bo and Byron. Yeah, and you've got all the puck moving. Yeah, that's. I mean. That gets insane at that point. Your top two pairs are both just puck-moving wizards, and your third pair has some rookie who's who's touted as having incredible ability of skating the puck. So, yeah, man. I mean, it's <laughs> having a decor like that. It's very. I mean, that's maximum modern-day defense for sure. It doesn't get much more than that. Well, and that's that's also the downside, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's you have a lot of guys that want to go one direction there. <laughs> well, and that's I mean that's the direction they should be going. Well, sure, but uh, when they're going that direction and they don't have a puck, it's a it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> if so, a lot of a lot of the conversation in, in this stylistic contrast of old versus new and you know, the, the ability of the defensive ability of guys, how valuable are defenders versus guys who can defend and then get the puck out, you know, and versus guys who aren't good at defense, but are good at puck retrieval and breaking pucks out of the zone. Yeah. And that is, I think a very interesting conversation because if the abs did decide to go with a, you know, a Rosen and a Byram to go along with a Gerard and uh, a Makar, you leave yourself vulnerable to, okay, maybe you do get pinned into your own, own end a little bit, but how much do you get pinned into your own zone when you have that much puck skill there? Right. Exactly. A good offense is a, is the best defense. I- Shout out to Earl 06 over at Burgundy Rainbow, who uses a phrase that I'm totally going to steal here in that if you have control of the puck and it's not in your own zone, you're going to be giving up a whole lot less shots on goal, aren't you? So, <laughs> Well, it's true. I mean, when when you have the puck, it's it's one reason why we talk about hits as an overrated stat. What, happen, what, what happens in the lead up to a hit? You don't have the puck. Right. You can hit guys all you want, but if you have the puck, you don't have to hit them. <laughs> right. It's it's like we talked about Chris Russell in the last segment. Chris Russell blocks a ton of shots. That's great. What's the downside of that? He doesn't have They're the shooting at you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you could apply a lot of that to Patrick Nemeth as well. And then the difference there is these guys, if you can get them to block shots, great. But then once the puck falls and they get it on their stick, they can get it out in control. 
we saw. And it's the- not going to be a 200 foot delay game penalty right. that Patrick Nemeth fires into the netting behind the opposing goaltender, <laughs> exactly. which I still can't believe happened. Exactly. That was, I mean, that's incredible, but it, it, they're also not players that look for the pass. Rosen is absolutely a player that looks for the pass, maybe almost too much, like I said, but he's not mm-hmm. going to be banging it off the glass and you're giving up possession immediately. He's looking to make something happen. Right. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm curious to see how much Bednar is looking for a bit of a safety blanket there too. With Rosen though. Right. With Rosen, we talked about the PK. He, you mentioned he did a ton of that for the Marlies. Yeah, he did. This is not an offensive defenseman that they're afraid to put in PK situations. The Avs PK could realistically have Sam Gerrard, Eric Johnson, Nikita Zadorov, and Callie Rosen on it. 100% could. And, and while, Ro- they, while they wait, obviously, for Ian Cole. Of course. When Cole comes back, it, it's going to change that dynamic. Cole will PK, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, he has to. That's why you're paying yeah, him. Yeah, ex- exactly. But Rosen, really this year, learned how to use his physicality better. He doesn't blow people up with hits and things like that, but he's not afraid to have a well-placed cross check. He will engage in physical battles and he's good at winning pucks in physical battles, rubbing people out. And that is, that is a huge thing for a six, seven type defenseman to be able to do that, come in and be reliable could go a long, long way. It's their defense is, it's fascinating to me, honestly, because I like so many of the guys on it. About the only guy on that defense that I would say I don't, I, I just don't ever want to see play is Kevin Connaughton. I agree with you, and unfortunately, I also think he's definitely playing some. <laughs> I, I also think that he is in line for uh, NHL minutes. After I, when they first got him, I thought, nah, there's no way they've got too many bodies. Uh, and then you take away Barry, and then you add in the AHL guys on defense that they've they've added two AHL defensemen in the last couple of days. That right there makes me say, "Oh boy, yeah, it's Kevin Connaughton is part of this plan." You have, I does Zadorov have three hundred games? I I don't know his exact number, but it, it's close between him and Connaughton. So it's two ninety two. Okay, so Connaughton has a touch more. So with that, with Cole out of the lineup. Kevin Connaughton is your second most NHL experienced defenseman. And you know, Bednar is going to love that. It's. I have Rosen and Connaughton as the two players. I think have the inside track to an NHL starting position. Now Byram will likely get his nine games and put one of them on the bench initially. But once Byram's nine games are over, if he doesn't stay, you still have another month, month and a half until Cole is ready. And I very well could see it being Rosen and Connaughton. This also is going to depend on lineup decisions. Yeah, for sure. It Does Colorado want the, the classic 13 forward, eight defensemen or 14 forward, seven defensemen lineup? Because they've got enough bodies there right now to justify having all those guys. We saw the Avs run underneath the uh, the limit last year because they could get away with shuffling guys between the Eagles and the Avalanche uh, pretty freely. I think they'll have a tougher time with that this year just because uh, the only guys 
that are waivers exempt on their current defense are McCarr and Rosen. Right. You know, McCarr's not getting sent down. Uh, yeah. The other They're pretty, pretty comfortable that that's not going to be a thing. Yeah. The other wrinkle there, you have Kamenev, who's likely your 13th forward. Who... That's the, that's the thing right now is that Kamenev is your 13th forward. Uh, and the real question is, where does AJ Greer okay. fit into that? Because he would have to pass through waivers to go back to the yep. Eagles, and I've As been. A, I've he's been, twenty-two years old, and he's coming off of a forty-point season in the AHL. Right. Um, he, there can't I would be, be much more he needs from the AHL there. <laughs> I, I I would have a hard time believing that absolutely no team in the NHL wants to take a, a shot on AJ Greer if they send yeah, him to waivers. I'm with you there. I think he gets claimed if, if you try and sneak him through. And then you use the second round pick and got nothing out of it. Right. That's you got 37 games out of the guy. That's disappointing, especially with what he's shown this past season in the AHL, well, especially when it's super avoidable. Like right. I don't, I don't mind the avalanche going out and loading up their forward core and saying, Hey, we got a lot deeper and we got a lot better. I do mind that they apparently don't care or maybe don't care isn't the right word, but they don't have a plan moving forward for their young players. Cause it's not just Greer. Right. You know what, what are they, what's their plan with Martin Kaut? Shane Bowers. What's their plan with Shane Bowers? What's their plan with any of these kids? It gets, you know, Logan O'Connor had a 40 point rookie season last year. And as a 22 year old, you know, he got a look, he got a taste in the NHL last year. As much as I'm not his biggest fan, I mean, that's a guy that you could justify calling up in a lot of situations. You know, they they will need significant injuries to dig into this depth. Yeah. And that's a good and bad thing. Yeah, like like we mentioned on free agency day, your lineup gets pretty crowded when you're paying your fourth line six and a half million dollars. It, it is what it is, and hopefully with expiring contracts such as Matt Nieto, you're freeing up some stuff next season, but but right now there's a lot of bodies there. It's also going to be tough. Let's say you want to run Greer and, and run the 14 forwards. That means you get 7D, and even before the abs are healthy, that's going to be a tough fit, especially when Byram's here at the start of the season let's say you're running Rosen as your sixth and Connaughton as your seventh. That means Barbario is in the AHL. Mm-hmm. So to run for Graves. Yeah. Graves as well. So to run 14 forwards, you are, you are pushing multiple defensemen down the list. And that's, it's going to be tough to do. And it's going to get crowded on the Eagles lineup as well for guys like right. Edmonds and Malosh. Right. Well, and then that's the other question is that, you know, Mark Alt, uh, Daniel Renouf didn't sign here for two years to to be a third pairing defenseman. Right. You know, you just traded for Jacob McDonald, but you also still have Connor Timmons, Nick Malosh, Josh Anderson, Anton Lindholm and Sergei Boykov as guys that you drafted. Now, you already are pretty comfortable with what you have in Lindholm and Boykov. Uh, and Anderson spent most of last year in the ECHL. You would like to see him at least get some AHL time to, to see what you have in the kid. And then you have your two top top young defensemen in the AHL and Timmons and Malosh. You can't bury all those guys just because you load it up on seventh defenseman in the, H, in the NHL. 
yeah, it it's gonna be hard to to figure out how to sort them all out. Even if you run the eight D and say, okay, it's it's Barbario and and Kanaten as the seven eight. That's you're still sending Graves back down. It's still gonna get tight. People are still gonna have to go through waivers that. Honestly, I'm not too worried about any of the D getting claimed, but it's still out there. Yeah, I think the only guy I'd be worried about is Graves. Yeah. And even then, and that's a minor, minor, minor concern. Right, I agree. But it's it's tight. Uh, the Avs have, have picked up so many defensemen at this point <laughs> that, that someone is going to miss out. And that's fine. They should play the best players, but there has a ripple effect a little bit there. Whatever decision they make, man. Um, I can't remember a time that the avalanche had this many legitimate D options. Now guys like Barbario and Kanaten are obviously like less sexy, less fun. Sure. Cause you're comfortable with who they are at 29 years old. But between guys like Graves and Rosen and Byram, there's a lot of really intriguing talent to give jobs to here. Yeah. Like we mentioned off the top is there's a good chance that all five of these guys competing for spots do get a chance to earn it. So you'll get to see a lot of different looks from a lot of different types of players. The stylistic differences uh, is exciting because you want your defense to be dynamic and hard to play against and not like, Oh, well, these guys are all just small puck movers. Okay, well, then we're just going to send our four check in after you in waves and, you know, bang bodies and just physically wear you down. You know, you don't you don't want them to be able to just one size fits fits all. Right. You can you can throw different looks at teams. You can you can swap your lineup if you're playing against a team who you feel like you need some more size against, you can, you can throw in a bigger player that maybe has a little bit more physicality. If you are looking for someone in more of a shutdown role, maybe you can throw a a Kanaten out there for you. And what I love about Rosen, the pickup of Rosen is that his experience doing both for the Marlies. Right. Means that you've got all the flexibility that you could ever need yeah in in a in a sixth or seventh defenseman he can do he can fill in wherever you need and still be productive at 5v5 because of his style yeah exactly that's he has that versatility you're looking for in your defensive depth to just you drop him in and say go do x and he can as much as we both are excited about Kadri and justifiably so uh, the the pickup of Rosen could be very sneaky valuable to the Avalanche in the next couple of years. Uh, I'm hoping that that's the case. I'm hoping that they give him a look because this is also an organization that has done baffling things. Uh, we sit here today on July 3rd and Brandon Sajan still doesn't have a contract, yeah. for example. Yeah, that's a weird So there, there are some inexplicable things that this organization does from time to time. And getting Callie Rosen and then not giving him a look in the NHL would certainly qualify. No doubt about it. It, It's hard for me looking at what all of these players on the defensive end have done so far to not see how Rosen isn't 
first or second on their list for guys to have a look in the NHL. Not including Byram. Byram is first for the nine games, but the rest of them, you gotta think they're looking at Rosen. They have to. They have to. It makes no sense to bring him in and not give him a seriously long look, especially given their situation at the beginning of the year. Yep. All right. I think that'll do it for us today. Um, I don't know that I would call Callie Rosen a game-changing defenseman, but I would definitely call StravaCraft Coffee game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. I know you've already checked them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it to more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. Receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. I'm actually excited for the uh, the girlfriend to come visit at some point because she's excited to try some game-changing coffee, and I'm hoping <laughs> she's into it. So it should be a good time. Shout out to the girlfriend. Uh, that does it for today's uh, BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Tomorrow is a holiday. We are currently undecided on what our plans are, so maybe we'll have an episode, maybe not. We will see. But for now, enjoy. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again sometime this week.